You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury. My name is Ben Jeffers, and I'm a proud member of the appointed class. RA of Brotherhood. and Honorary Assistant of the Women's Volleyball Team. A couple days ago, Jeannie asked me if I would speak for a couple of minutes about my discipleship band experience here at Asbury. As I thought about what I would say, one main point came to mind. How can I share just how impactful my discipleship band was on my life in just two to three minutes? So I chose a couple of words that summed up what my discipleship band meant to me. The first of these words is presence. Something so profound about our band meetings was God's faithfulness to show up. It wasn't just once or twice, but every week the Holy Spirit moved in a tangible way. Whether it was through one of us sharing something we had never told anyone before, one of us calling another guy out in love for slipping up, or the weight of sins being lifted in confession. Each time we met, God was present. The second is being known. There is something truly freeing about being fully known. When someone fully knows you, even the things you've never told anyone before, there's no reason to hide. In my discipleship band, I was known. My sins, my struggles, my fears, my successes were known. This allowed me to live in freedom, knowing that I was supported and didn't have to suffer anything alone. Friendship. With a discipleship band comes vulnerability, and with vulnerability comes deep, authentic friendship. In the eight months that my band met, I grew incredibly close to the other guys. I knew that I had four friends I could reach out to at any moment of any day about anything. And lastly, faith. I can't express to you how much I grew in my faith through my discipleship band. Not only was I held accountable for the sin in my own life, I was able to walk with some of my best friends and see God free them from their own sin. I experienced the love of Christ in new ways and found new freedom in living alongside other men. Four other guys and I were willing to meet once a week and say, okay, God, we're doing this thing. Please use it. And he did for far greater purposes than we could have imagined. So Asbury, I encourage you not to write this off as just another small group or Bible study opportunity like I almost did, because it's more than that. A discipleship band is truth. It is love. It is forgiveness. It is friendship. It is accountability. It is authenticity. It is being fully known. A discipleship band is life-changing. Thank you. Well, good morning. It is a huge honor and privilege to be with you to share in this sacred time and space together. And I know that you've probably heard it a lot, but in case you haven't heard it lately, or if you have not heard it from me, I deeply care about each one of you. I can honestly say that as much as it's possible, I love you all. I pray for you. I weep over you and 
before you. And it's one of the greatest joys and honors of my life to be a part of this pastoral team that gets to come alongside you in this season here at Asbury to celebrate your accomplishments, achievements, and accolades. And then to be there when life comes crashing down, when you experience failure, hurt, pain, loss, suffering, and to hold both of those in tension and together walk this journey of becoming more like Christ. It's an incredible privilege and an honor that I do not take lightly. But that means that we come together in community. It's an invitation that Dr. Brown and Dr. Baldwin have been giving to us, the invitation to the good, abundant life that is found in Christ Jesus that together we would be a holy, honoring, holistic community that is a prophetic witness and a force to be reckoned with for good and against evil. That is the invitation, and that is my deepest prayer for you, that you would encounter the risen Christ, that you would be made more like him and become like, become like him and together journey this season becoming more like Christ. But I can't make you choose that. I can't make you choose it. But what I do get to do here at Asbury is to provide opportunities along with our pastoral staff for you to become and enter into discipleship, to become more like Christ, to enter into the good life, the abundant life that Christ has offered us. Now, part of being an intentional community and part of being in discipleship is confession. Ben just mentioned that. So I feel like as one of your assistant chaplains, I need to confess some things to you. Now, I don't normally confess in front of a thousand people, but I think this is a safe enough space. So in the words of the rapper Usher, he's my favorite. These are my confessions. Confession number one. I don't always like discipleship. Now, I know I am over discipleship here at Asbury, but I don't always like it. It's hard, and it's messy, and I don't always like having people point out my junk or being held accountable to my words, actions, and deeds. But I need it. You, I'm in a band. I'm in a band of discipleship with Kayla Moran and Jessica Avery, and you can ask Kayla, sometimes I get frustrated and upset, and I push back but I know that they're offering to me in those moments the invitation to the good, abundant life. Do I like it? Not always. Do I push back? Sometimes. But is the invitation always there for love and grace of Jesus? Always. Confession number two. Often in my life, I've equated discipline with legalism. Henry Nowen states that discipline, dis discipline is the effort for God to create space for God to move. The effort to create space for God to move. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want space for God to move? And yet, the moment we see Christians becoming disciplined in their life, we often label it as legalism, or at least I did. But really what was happening was a conviction in my own heart that I was not putting forth the effort to cultivate an intentional, personal relationship with God. So I would yell legalism when actually what was happening was my own apathy. Legalism doesn't always equate, discipleship doesn't always equate legalism. Now, 
Don't get me wrong, we can become legalistic, but that's why we do it in community, so that they can help point us back in the fence of the good, abundant life. But it was much easier for me to yell legalism than to look at my own apathy. And confession number three, there's a time in my life, a couple years actually, where I did not think I needed discipleship because it was just about my personal relationship with God. I was good. It didn't matter what was happening outside or around me. My relationship was good, and that was all that mattered. Now hear me. I am not saying that your relationship with God is not important. It's incredibly important that you cultivate an inward personal, deep relationship with God, but that relationship was never meant just for you. It was always meant to be brought into the body of believers and for the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom. In Wesleyan theology, we talk about the inward acts of piety, prayer, reading scriptures, fasting, and the outward acts of mercy, service, caring for the least, the last, the lost, Those two were always meant to go together. They were never to be disconnected. Your personal relationship was never to be disconnected from the outward acts of service and mercy. We have a lot of disconnected Christians today who either care only about their personal relationship with Jesus or only about serving the community when it was always meant to be together. It's kind of like at Sunday dinner in the South when someone says, please pass the salt you had better pass the pepper too. Because if you didn't pass the pepper, your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your cousin, someone was going to correct you and say, they always go together. They always go together. It's not only about your personal relationship with Christ. It was always meant to be brought into the body of believers and for the sake of the world. And I wonder today if you don't find yourself in one of those three confessions. I don't like discipleship. I don't want to become legalistic, or I don't need it. My guess is you'd find yourself in one of those three, or maybe all three at some point, like myself, but I dare say I'm probably not the only one. And this morning, as we look at discipleship, we're going to be looking at some verses in Mark chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible or in your Bible app, Dr. David Smith, who's an Indiana Wesleyan professor and commentator on the book of Mark, and who has spoken here at Fall Revival, he says that the gospel of Mark from beginning to end is a call to discipleship. So as we lean into these verses, I wonder what God might have to say to us about discipleship. So if you're with me, Mark chapter 2, it says, A few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get there to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowering the the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, Your sins are forgiven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So it begins with the phrase, a few days later, and again when Jesus entered Capernaum. So we need to look back and see what happened a few days before. We see Jesus had met a man with leprosy and healed him and declared him clean. Only a priest could do that. Here he was saying, I am the high, most high priest. I am declaring you clean. 
It said he healed various diseases. And before the last time he was in Capernaum, he cast out a demon who was declaring that he was the Holy One of God. So there was much curiosity about this man named Jesus. There was something compelling about him that the crowd showed up in such large numbers. I wonder why they came. But there was an expectancy of them showing up to hear what he would say and to see what he might do. We've talked a lot about expectancy here this year. Having your glove on, ready to go, ready to see God move in your life, in our community, and in the world. Just like these people, they were showing up to the places where Jesus was already at work. I bet, which we're not betting people here just by the way, but I would bet that you could hear a pin drop in that room as people leaned in to see, hear what Jesus would have to say. I'm sure people were on their tiptoes just trying to get a glance of him. Are you expectant? Are you showing up, leaning in, trying to get a glance of what Jesus may be doing in this day, in this season? And as we look at these verses about discipleship, I want you to think of the word code. I don't usually preach this way, but I started writing down words, and it just kind of happened. So we're going to go with it. Now, this isn't the only code to discipleship by any means, but think about the word code. And if you're taking notes, C stands for community. It's pretty obvious, right? Community. Discipleship. Here we are. You were made for community. You were never meant to do this life alone. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when God said it is not good for man to be alone, you were met, set forth to be in community with one another. It's hard, it's messy, but it's worth it. Here, this paralyzed man had no shot of getting to Jesus if it were not for those mat carriers. His whole life would have been, his whole existence would have been on that mat, lying there day after day, begging only to survive. And not only there was, he was laying on the mat, but there would have been the shame associated of being born with an illness. Because in biblical times, illness and sin always were immediately connected, according to Dave Smith. So when someone was born with an illness, it was automatically assumed that there was sin in that life. So the message he would have received from the very beginning was that you are less than, worthless, sinner. For some of you, that tape is what you play over and over again, that you hear, I'm less than, I'm worthless, I'm a sinner. That's what his existence would have been. That is the reality that he would have lived in day after day after day. But then enter four men. We don't know about these, anything about these four men. They don't even have names. And yet, they chose to become friends with this sinner. It was an active choice to go against the conversations of the community and become friends with someone who was different than they were. Did you catch that? They made an active choice to go against the conversations of the community to become friends with someone who was different than they were. Why else would they have given up their time and their day to get this man to Jesus? Maybe it was because they too recognized they had a mat. As John Ortberg writes in his book, 
Everybody's normal until you get to know them. Everybody has a mat. Let the mat stand as a picture of human brokenness and imperfection. It's what's not normal about me. Sometimes people spend their entire life doing mat management. They pretend they don't have a mat. Does that sound familiar? Pretending, hiding, putting on masks, all to cover up the mat that we are lying on. We all have a mat. Maybe it's a secret. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something that's been done to you or something that you yourself have done. Regardless, is we all have a mat. John Ortberg says, if you want strong friendship, you can't always be the strong one. You will sometimes have to let someone else carry your mat. That's not easy. We like being strong. We like putting on a good face. If you're like me, you don't like your weakness to be seen. But it's in that way that we actually find healing and freedom as we get carried to the feet of Jesus. A few years ago, my dad bought a new car with all the bells and whistles, and it has an indicator to let you know when someone's in your blind spot. Also, when you start to drift out of the lane, it starts beeping at you. I don't tell my dad this, but it beeps a lot. He's a drifter. I'm talking on the phone to him, and I'm just like, beep, beep, beep. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Drive. But mat carriers are our beepers. They let us know when we're starting to drift outside the fence of the good life. They beep at us. We have, they are our indicators to point out our blind spots. I can't see my own blind spots, but Caitlin and a gesture can, and they point them out to me. They don't do that just to be mean or to say, hey, here's your blind spot. That car beeps and indicates to save my dad's life. My band members beep and indicate to me to save my life. We all need beepers. <laughs> so the question is, who's carrying your mat? And what is your mat? Who are the people around you who are helping you get to Jesus? Who knows your weakness and loves you enough not to let you stay there? What's your mat? Who's carrying your mat? Also, in discipleship, whose mat are you carrying? Whose mat are you helping get to the feet of Jesus? It's both and. It's having one person helping carry you to Jesus and linking arms with someone a few steps behind you and you carrying their mat, and together you're going to the feet of Jesus together. C, community. O, overcoming obstacles. You will have obstacles on your journey of discipleship. In this story, it's obviously the crowd. I mean, they were gathered in such large numbers, there's no way that they were going to get their friend to Jesus. I would love to have been in that circle of friends when someone had the bright idea to say, excuse me, what if we tear apart this guy's roof? Now, I'm an Enneagram one, and I cringe at that moment. Excuse me, that's not our house. We don't know these people. That's wrong. I'm out. And I don't do crowds either. <laughs> so I would have been a bad friend. Like, small space, lots of people, no deodorant, not fun. <laughs> Yet these men were on a mission, and their goal was Jesus. 
Nothing would deter them from getting their friend to Jesus. You need friends who will help you overcome obstacles in your journey. That's why we have community, because obstacles come, and on your own, you can't overcome them. But together, someone in the group is going to have a bright idea of how to help you get to the feet of Jesus. I wonder, as they made their way up the stairs, if their hearts began to pound, like, are we really going to do this? Imagine them digging a hole in someone else's roof. Imagine what it would have been like to be in the crowd below and have pieces of roof falling on your head. Or the homeowner, excuse me, this is not what I asked for. We all have obstacles to overcome. What's standing in your way of getting to the feet of Jesus? What kind of conversation do you need to have with your mat carriers to let them know the obstacles that are in your way? We all have obstacles, but together we can overcome them. D, the direction of discipleship is always down. Quite literally here, the man was lowered down to the feet of Jesus. But all throughout scriptures, Jesus points us, the, uh, points us to the upside-down kingdom. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's ludicrous talk, except for in the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus writes, in Philippians, or Paul writes in Philippians 2, hear these words, surrender class, they should sound familiar to you. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the cross, obedient to death, even death on a cross. The journey of becoming like Christ is always the journey of the cross. To deny oneself, pick up their cross, and daily follow after him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who Dr. Baldwin shared last week, wrote these words. To deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only him who goes before and no more of the road that is too hard for us. Once more, all that self-denial can say is, he leads the way, keep him close. He leads the way, keep him close. Have you died to yourself? Have you laid aside your own desires, agenda, and need for control for the greater good of Christ at work in you? The way of discipleship is always down so that your very life, your very life may be raised up in Christ Jesus. The way of discipleship is down. E, express faith. The journey of discipleship always requires an expression of faith. These mat carriers were willing to risk it all for the sake of their friend. They knew that desperate times called for desperate moments, and this was a desperate moment. They heard the stories of what Jesus had done. They heard the stories of what Jesus had done and believed enough that if they could get their friend to Jesus, it might happen for their friend. They did not know the outcome, but they had enough faith to believe that if they got their friend to Jesus, everything could change. That's faith, not knowing what's going to happen, but believing that God is who he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do. The verse says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, 
The faith of the friends, the man on the mat seemingly did nothing here. It was the faith of the friends that Jesus considered when he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Dr. David Smith says there's only two possibilities here in the words of Jesus, that Jesus himself was, Jesus was, in fact, the kingdom of God coming forth, or he was a blasphemer. In fact, this was the kingdom of God bursting forth in Jesus himself. He healed the paralyzed man first of his sins because that was the only thing that no one else could offer him and the very healing that he indeed needed. A few verses later, Jesus does heal the man, and he gets up and walks out in full view of all of them. Jesus desires both the inward and outward healing of your life. This is not behavioral modification Christianity. This is the kingdom of God bursting forth in your life, declaring by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, you are healed. Your sin nature sanctified and made holy, free from the guilt, power, and nature of sin, and free to love God, love others, and walk in obedience, as Dr. Bounce says. This was a healing and freedom that the paralyzed man experienced, and that's the freedom and healing Jesus Christ offers to us today. And this all happened because his friends had enough faith and dared to risk it all for the sake of getting their friend to Jesus. Discipleship requires an express faith, faith that, is, that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. It means picking up your mat, not knowing what will happen or where you'll go or how you'll get there, but carrying your mat, carrying the mat until Jesus shows up. So what's the code for discipleship? Community, overcoming obstacles, a downward direction of discipleship, and an express faith. This year at Asbury, we have several opportunities for you to become involved in discipleship. Our first one that we have is gather. It happens every Monday night at 9 o'clock. Or if you're a commuter, we have a special gather that happens for you at 11 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. And this is a time where you can come together in prayer and testimony and to discuss what happened in our Encounter Chapel series. It's a place to process what God is doing, what he's stirring in your heart as you hear and as we walk through the book of Acts together. So we have gathered Monday nights at 9 or Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Next, freshmen, this year we're having surrendered small groups. You're going to be walking through the book of Mark this semester. They're going to be led by upperclassmen who volunteered and said, hey, I want to pour in and invest in freshmen. These men and women have given up their semester to invest in you all. Our kickoff tomorrow is at 9 o'clock in the student center. There's an, out here, out the door, you can sign up for a small group or you can come to the kickoff and sign up. There's about 12 different options for you to choose from, so there's a date and a time that will work for you. So surrender class, don't miss this opportunity to get to connected with your friends, your peers, and to be mentored by an upperclassman. Upperclassmen, we are offering band of discipleships again tonight at 9 o'clock. So if you're in a band, or if you want to be in a band, or you're, you're putting your band together tonight, 9 o'clock in the student center, this is every week you're going to meet with your band and go over a series of five questions. And these, these bands are meant to help you grow and keep accountable in your faith. And it's an incredible time of just being prayed over and praying for your friends. This is This is... The reality of being a mat carrier for someone and allowing them to carry your mat, it's both. Banded discipleship has changed my life. I've been in a band for three years now, 
And I can honestly say I'm, who I am today is not who I once was. And I'm so thankful for my band, and I pray that over you all. We're also offering the Alpha Course tonight at 6.30. They're having their launch party at Solomon's Porch. This is a great opportunity for every student, freshman, upperclassmen, you're all invited to this. So whether you're new to the faith and you have a lot of questions, or you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and Sunday school answers just aren't cutting it, this is the place for you. It's a chance to explore your faith, dive deep into discussion, come together in community. There's also, we're also offering chapel credit for that. So if you want to go to Alpha, we're going to count that as part of your chapel. So the Alpha Course, 6.30 tonight, Solomon's Porch. If you're like, I need one-on-one intentional mentoring, we have the mentoring program. So we will pair you with a staff member, a faculty member, a member from the community who, who will walk this entire year with you, pouring into you, praying over you, holding you accountable. These mentoring relationships, I, I had one my senior year, and we meet now still 13 years later. There's a staff member here at Asbury that I was paired with, and 13 years into this, we're still walking together. So if you're like, I want more one-on-one intentional discipleship in my life, the mentoring program is a great place for you. There'll be lots of other opportunities, big and small, that will come your way, but I pray that this year you will take a risk and enter into one of these discipleship programs. There's something for everyone. No one gets left out here. Would you be willing to take the risk and say, I'll try it. I'll give it a semester and just see what God does because he shows up in our obedience. And I pray, man, I pray for you all. And I pray that you would experience the deep, abundant, good life God has for you. And he shows up in many different ways, but we know that throughout the years, he does show up in intentional discipleship and community together. So would you take the risk? Would you sign up? There's sign-ups out here. We'd love to answer questions. But would you just allow yourself, position yourself in a place for God to move? Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. We just say thank you for who you are and for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for that we get to do life together, for community, for the chance to have our mats carried to the feet of you, to the feet of Jesus, and to have the incredible privilege of carrying other people as well. I pray, Jesus, that this year you would do an incredible, mighty work in our student body, that your spirit would come and enable us to walk in freedom and healing, forgiveness, that your spirit would come and allow us to love our neighbors and walk in obedience. Jesus, I pray that you would, for the ones who feel like they don't belong, for the ones who may feel like they're on, they're on the outskirts, Jesus, would you find them a place in this community? Jesus, we would just want to be more like you. So would you come and do what only you can do in our lives? It's in your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.